Uh, excuse me, may I talk to you for a second? Yes. This is the Black Real Estate Dialogue, and the purpose of the Black Real Estate Dialogue is to document the journey of an up-and-coming real estate investor and to share the stories of successful Black real estate investors. The reality for a lot of you is that investment properties where you live have become absolutely unaffordable. Here's the good thing though. Around the country, there are so many cities with affordable investment properties, some even under 100,000, so there's a lot of opportunity out there. On September 20th, I'm starting a four-week virtual intensive workshop that'll show you how to buy your first out-of-state property. So we're gonna go over everything from creative refinancing that first property, how to build your team that you can trust, how to find and analyze properties, and how to find the right location, and so much more. You deserve to build wealth for your family. You deserve to invest in real estate. It's simply a matter of getting the right information. So I want to see you there. If you're interested, go to outofstatemoney.com forward slash workshop or click the link in the description of this episode. I'll see you there. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Black Real Estate Dialogue podcast episode 187. A few quick announcements before you get into this week's episode. If you haven't already, do me a quick favor. Take about 20 seconds to leave a five-star rating and review for this show wherever you are listening to it. It'll help us get this message in front of the whole world. And you know this information is important for our community. And so thank you in advance for your support in that way. And if you do leave a five-star rating and review, send me a screenshot. My email is in the show notes and I'll reply by sending you a free training on how to find and analyze properties. So if you're somebody who's just starting out, you don't really know how to look at the numbers, how to look for properties, this will be a great starting point for you. I actually have a new review that I want to shout out from Sosa Gaines. It says, honestly, great podcast. I feel it's hard to find certain information tailored towards us Black people to help us in the game of real estate, but you do a good job of dropping gems to help us out, especially with your latest episodes. Keep up the great work. I can't wait for next week. Really appreciate your kind words. These kind of things keep me going. So keep it coming, y'all. All right. We are about 10 days away from my out-of-state investing intensive workshop that is going to be four weeks long where I'm going to show you how to buy your first out-of-state property. So if you're someone who lives in an expensive area and you want to figure out how to buy out-of-state property, I definitely encourage you to consider this workshop. So if you want more information, go to outofstatemoney.com forward slash workshop and you can learn more. All right. This was a super fun episode. It was a solo episode. Haven't done one in a little bit. And it's about the recent regulations on Airbnb in New York City. So a lot of hot takes. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right. Let's jump right into this. This episode is going to be about the recent Airbnb ban in New York City. This is something that's been quite interesting. I've done a lot of research into it. And I actually wanted to wait a little bit before I spoke on it because I wanted to make sure that I understood everything that was going on. So the way that this episode will go is I'll share some of the facts of this new regulation in New York City. And also I'll share my opinion, what I think about it. I'm also going to share Airbnb's opinion and also some data that will add some more color to the situation. And then I'm also going to talk about how it impacts the everyday investor like you and I, and just some of the uh, residual impacts that this new regulation might have. All right, so let's let's get into it. Let's start with the facts. All right, so this is directly from nyc.gov. 
And so it says short-term rentals are only permitted if the host is staying in the same unit or apartment as the guest. And there are no more than two guests staying with the host. All laws relating to the use of the space must be followed, such as no sleeping in an area where it would be illegal to do so, such as an attic, a cellar, or a garage. All right, so I think this is ridiculous. And the reason being is, you know, the fact that the host has to stay in the same unit as the guests means that they're going to make less money. And what I mean by that is, if you've used Airbnb at all, I've used it for years, the cost to stay in a room is much less than a cost to stay in an entire apartment or house. So what does that mean? That means the average person who owns a home and is Airbnb a unit or their entire home now has to stay inside the home or the apartment with the person. There can be no more than two people, which means that they're going to make less money. And I think that's absolutely unfair. We have to think about the average person, right? Most people who are on Airbnb aren't these big moguls who have hundreds of units on the website. Most of the folks are people who have a house and maybe you have a converted garage, a converted studio apartment in your garage that you're renting on Airbnb, or maybe you have a duplex or three unit unit or four unit that you are using on Airbnb. Maybe you're renting out one of the units and there are folks who are relying on this income. And so I think it's, it's really unfair and doesn't consider the average person. All right. So the next, the next fact, and again, this is from the nyc.gov website. So the law does not change the existing criteria that governs the legality of short-term rentals. Hosts, whether owners or tenants, cannot rent out an entire apartment or home for fewer than 30 days, even if the host owns or lives in the building. This applies to all permanent residential buildings regardless of the number of units. And so something else that this has me thinking about is a lot of people were doing rental arbitrage over the last few years. And for those who don't know, rental arbitrage is when you have a lease inside of an apartment, let's say let's say this is a two bedroom or however big the apartment is, and you rent that out. Even though you don't own it, you are renting the apartment And then you're also putting the apartment on Airbnb. So you're not necessarily living there. In some cases, some folks are living there and doing that. But basically, that's what that is. I think this is really going to impact those folks who are doing arbitrage. Because on one hand, you might have somebody who lives in a two-bedroom apartment and they, they Airbnb the other room. Then you have folks who have several units that they're leasing They don't live there, but they're renting out. So I think this is really going to take a big bite out of the pie of the rental arbitrage folks. Y'all let me know what you think about that and if you you agree. All right. So before we go further, let's look at some data from Airbnb. So New York City had more than 39,000 listings on Airbnb as of September 8th, 2023. And so that makes it the number two city in the United States as far as the number of Airbnb units. So imagine... There's this big regulation now. That number is inevitably going to be reduced dramatically. And LA is actually the number one city with almost 45,000 Airbnb listings. So 39,000, and I would imagine a good majority of those are not registered, have not submitted anything, or maybe they're in the process. And so I think part of what the city thinks this might help with is the shortage of housing. 
and folks being able to rent apartments or rent homes and things of that nature. It's possible that that might happen. Some landlords might just take their stuff off the market completely, or they might transition into things like short-term, midterm rentals. Midterm rentals meaning if they are in an area in proximity to a hospital, they might rent out to travel nurses, or they might rent out to business travelers who are staying for a few months. So I don't necessarily think this is going to increase significantly the number of apartments and homes for rent. I think folks might just pivot to other strategies or really try to work around the rules and hope they don't get caught. I think those things are very possible. All right. So let's hear what Airbnb has to say about this. So this is from Airbnb. So they said, Airbnb called New York's regulation a de facto ban, claiming that short-term rentals do not contribute to the housing availability or affordability problems, and they help the local economy by encouraging tourism. I, I agree with this statement 100%. Um, you know, when you think about traveling, Airbnb is an option a lot of folks go with because in some cases it's cheaper than booking a hotel. And also for groups, for large groups of people, they end up renting either a home or a larger apartment that can house multiple people, a, a, a larger group of people than getting separate hotel rooms. And you're really able to enjoy your experience. You know, I was at an Airbnb this weekend in California and it was seven of us. The experience would be far different if we had to stay in different hotel rooms or whatever the case may be. Like we wouldn't have even been, really been able to spend as much time together. We wouldn't be able to cook together. We wouldn't be able to get in the pool and all these things if that particular area we were in outlawed Airbnbs in the way that New York is doing it. So I think it does take away from the travel experience that folks like to have. You know, it's a really a wonderful thing to be able to all stay together inside of one house or inside of uh, a larger a larger apartment. And, you know, it does help with tourism. I mean, I don't think a city like New York is really going to be impacted. I don't think they're going to see a dive in uh, their tourism. I mean, New York is a place that everyone, like a lot of people will always want to visit. So, you know, ultimately they'll end up staying in hotels or or, or making other arrangements, maybe staying over the water in New Jersey, uh, unless New Jersey has restrictions such as these. I think people will figure out a way to uh, to work around this. All right. So some takeaways. This thing that's taking place in New York City, and this is not the first city that has some sort of restriction. We've had several other episodes where we talk about different cities that are restricting or pretty much cutting out Airbnb in certain parts of the city. So the first takeaway is that it's important to be ready to pivot in real estate. When you are acquiring a property, it's great to run the numbers for long-term rentals if that's what you want to do. The tried and true way and strategy, that's the first thing you should do. Also, I recommend running the numbers for midterm rentals if there's a demand for midterm rentals in that area. So business travelers, travel nurses, things like things of that nature. Third, and I think last, should be running the numbers for short-term rentals. And especially with cities adding all these regulations, it's important to not just rely on that. So the numbers should work for various scenarios. First and foremost, they should work for as a long-term rental. And then if they work for one of the other two uh, strategies I mentioned, the short-term rentals and the mid-term rentals, that's kind of icing on the cake. But if you decide to do the short-term rental in a particular city, be prepared to pivot. And if that means you wait a little bit longer to find the right deal, then you know it just is what it is. But don't put all your eggs in one basket. 
you know, I really feel bad for the folks who put all their eggs in one basket and the properties they have in New York are only really going to work and make money as a short-term rental. You know, for those folks, that's that, you know, that sucks, but it's the, it's the importance of being ready to pivot. So I personally don't believe that cities should tell people what to do with their properties. If someone is a short-term rental host and their guests are not bothering anyone and they're clean and there's just no disruption, I don't think cities should try to force the hand of the owners to convert them to long-term rentals or to tell them to do anything with it as long as it's not against the law and it's not hurting anyone. In some cases now it's going to be against the law, but I don't think cities should be able to have that much power in my opinion. And you know, there are folks who are relying on their short-term rentals for for income, you know, whether they are older folks or just the average young person or family who's trying to generate some additional income. And in many cases, the money that can be made as a short-term rental is a lot more than longer-term rentals. And so I think folks should have the freedom to choose what they do with it. And if there is a housing shortage, in a particular city or there is an affordability issue, then I think it's on the city to make it easier to develop, make it easier to develop, increase some of these timelines. A problem that's taking place in a lot of cities around the country is that the process to develop is so strenuous, right? They they make you jump through all these hoops, especially in a place like California. New York might be the same. So I think that's something that's that's really important. Honestly, I believe that a big reason for this is because a lot of folks have been making money. Average people have been making money and pretty good money with uh, Airbnb. I believe that the cities don't want the little guy to make money, right? And I think hotels had a large part in this. Perhaps the hotel lobbyists had a large part in forcing the city's hand to make this rule because perhaps they're starting to lose money, right? And so I don't think this is for the safety of anyone. I don't think that they're thinking about any of that. I really don't even think it's about increasing the number of apartments or homes for rent. I really think it's about lining the pockets of these big hotel chains and redirecting folks back to that. Because think about it, as folks are applying to get approved to have their their property as a short-term rental, where do you think other people are, where do you think people are going to stay? They're going to go back to the hotel. So it wouldn't surprise me over the next three to six months if hotels in New York City see an increase in their revenues. You know, so I think that's really what it's all about. I think it's all about money. I don't think it's really about people, in my opinion. So those are my thoughts on the Airbnb ban. Comment below if you're on YouTube. Let me know what you think. If you are on the audio side, leave a review. Let me know what you think about this episode. But again, I think it's a terrible idea. I don't think it's really actually going to help with the problems that they think there are. Um, if you feel differently, that's totally cool. I would love to hear from you, whether you agree or whether you don't. But definitely thank you so much for taking a taking the opportunity to listen to this episode. And again, if you're on YouTube, make sure you like this video. Consider subscribing as well if you enjoyed it. And also share with a friend who should give their opinion or who you think would find some value out of this. If you're on the audio side, leave that five-star rating and review. Thank you all so much. I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Black Real Estate Dialogue podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Black Real Estate Dialogue. And be sure to leave us five stars and a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Until next time.